Uh, always great to be with you guys here. I was here just before Christmas giving a, a short update, uh, but I think this is, a, I'm always excited to preach. Um, one of my favorite things is, is getting in with a passage, wrestling through it, and actually encouraging my own soul, and I hope it'll be an encouragement to you today. Last time I was here, I think, to preach a message, I, I preached on Matthew 24, the one who endures to the end will be saved and uh, talked about enduring faith, and I think it, I think now I'm kind of like that kid in the back seat of the car. Like, are we there yet? <laughs> like, how much longer are we enduring? This year has been enduring. As a missionary, you know, at the end of the year, um, as a missionary, you try to send out that, that, you know, really cheery letter at the end of the year, and you wanted to, you want to highlight to your friends and to your supporters all the, uh, all the good things that the Lord has done over the year. And I you know, usually want to have a top uh, 10 list or something like that. And I, I, to be honest, I haven't even been able to sit down to write that letter yet. And I was trying to think of five good things. And it's been a tough year. It's been a tough year. I was just going over my year. My year is less a year of highlights than it is a year of things that the Lord has caused us to endure. I was just thinking back about it. Last year, January at this time, uh, one of our church was meeting only online. We're a relational house church, and yet we were just uh, reduced to kind of that online Zoom. Our other church was meeting in the park because uh, we had no other place to meet. We had no house that could fit us, and so we were in the park 20 below around heaters trying to worship. By February, um, we were dealing with division and conflict in that church that was excruciating. By March, I had lost uh, one of my best friends um, through that conflict, and we still haven't reconciled, and it's been a source of pain throughout the year. In April, I got COVID. In May and June, we were back outside, but now we were fighting bylaw. In July, God gave me actually a really good July. I went with my wife to an anniversary trip 20 years, and so we went to Banff uh, and, uh, and out there, and then... Uh, and then my Milwaukee Bucks won the NBA championship. Somebody's asking me what the highlights of my year was, and I was sorry to be so unspiritual as to say one of my highlights was my sports team winning. Um, but we had a really good, in August, we baptized about 20 people, which was a highlight of the year. Um, these are mainly people, the uh, addicts and, the, uh, and some of the people we work with in the, in the park. But, and then as I reported in December, by December, my, or by September, my ministry partner relapsed into drug use himself, uh, was uh, found in violation of parole, and he has spent the rest of the year um, in jail. He, he got released right before uh, Christmas. They released him, so praise the Lord there. Uh, but spent the rest of the fall dealing with that aftermath and what it meant to our churches. And then in December, we brought a woman into our home who is just one of these cases where it's just struggling against every kind of system you can and every sort of injustice that you can. And it was a difficult month just to care for her and our family. And man, it feels like we just got through. That's a lot to write in a prayer letter. <laughs> but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And, and that's nothing. I mean, just hearing this morning of a family uh, baby Quinn's family, the, the, the suffering that God's people encounter as we walk through this life. 
the loss and the grief and the hardship, even though we, we hold on by faith and, and by God's grace and thanks to be to God, he gives us that enduring faith to hold on until the end. But man, that, enduring, that endurance has been the theme of this year, and I don't know how it's hit you in your life, but I, I, I mean, you're still here. You're still at home online, I hope, watching. And so praise be to God to give us that enduring faith. And I, I, I've been go, going back again and again to this passage this fall, this fall in, uh, in 2 Corinthians. It's one of these passages that I just continually return to. And, um, and in those moments where I'm just hanging on by a thread, I think 2 Corinthians is a whole book. It's a book in which you know, Paul is basically holding on to by a thread Famously, near the end of the book, you know, he speaks about his own trials as he speaks at the end of the book, where he says, he says, he's talking about him as a servant of Christ, even though he's talking like a madman, and he says, I'm not saying this to boast about these things, but listen, I've had far more imprisonments, he says in chapter 11, countless beatings, often near death, five times I received from the hands of the Jews the forty losses, less ones. Three times I was beaten by rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was just adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, in danger from robbers, in dangers from my own people, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the wilderness, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night. In hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from all these other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? And yet, am I not weak? I'm calling this message fearless fragility. Even early in the book of 1 Corinthians, he says at one point he was despairing. So it's a book of suffering. <laughs> it's a book of enduring faith. And the heart of this faith, I, 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 the heart of this book, I really see is in, in, in chapter 4. And so I'd like to read it with you. And man, this is amazing. <laughs> Let's go before God's word. I don't feel worthy to preach from this chapter. This chapter is above us all. <laughs> it truly is. But look at chapter 4. Now, Paul's writing in the context of his ministry. If you want to take up the verse 1 and just say, having this life. <laughs> but chapter 4. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure 
in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but this doesn't drive us to despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Always, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, so also we believe, and so also we speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. It's all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, and the things that are unseen are eternal. Amen. Wow, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this word. Uh, teach us, Lord, enduring faith. Unpack it for us today. Impress it upon our hearts. As we gather here, as some who gather here today, Lord Jesus, they need, they need your word. Speak to them your word of truth, your word of life. Renew us inwardly now, Lord Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. What a passage. What, a, what, a, what an amazing I mean, just spend time this week here, <laughs> particularly if you get, if you're here at the beginning of 2022 and you've just felt like 2021 was a year of just simply hanging on and enduring, unpack this this week and spend some time here. Um, the big idea that uh, as I was looking at this, the big idea uh, is just simply this, our first the utmost thing we as human beings must attend to is our inner self. The, the first thing to attend to is the inward, the inner self, the renewal of the inward first before setting our hope upon the resurrection of the outward. Inward first. <laughs> Do you want to just think about this inward first? If we're going to be, the passage talks about our fragility. Yes, we understand how we're not as strong as we think we are and how fragile we are as human beings living in this world. The passage speaks to our fragility. But within that fragility, there's a we do not lose heart. We do not give in, another translator said, we do not, we do not give in to fear. 
The same word is also used in the New Testament to talk about our weariness. We do not give in to weariness. We do not give in to fear. How can we stay focused? How can we remain fearless even within our fragility? The only way to do this is by attending first to the renewal of our inward person day by day. And it gets there by the end of the passage. But most of us, what we do, and, and, I, and I, I'm here in this camp with you, most of us, what we do is we spend most of our time focusing on attending to the outward, attending to the outward circumstances, attending to the outward relationship, attending to the outward uh, chaos, attending to the outward symptoms, rather than first attending to our soul. And I'll, I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, and you know this, that when we do that, our life becomes simply the spinning of plates. <laughs> right? You're attending, you're attending over here to your finances this week. All right, we got those going. Now I got to attend to my kids here. Oh, no, no, they're online schooling. I better, I better spin that plate harder. And now I'm attending to my relationships. And now I'm attending to my other circumstances. And now I'm attending to my illness. And now I'm attending to my impairments. And, and we, we go through life kind of just going from one thing to another, the outward things, rather than focusing first on the inward state of our soul in this. And that is why it feels so much that we are just being engulfed by the hurricane of life. Are those things important? Yes. Yes. But are they, are they of first importance so that we would lose our soul within them? No. The first thing to attend to is the inward, the state of our soul, the renewer of our inward. And how do we do that? How do we do that? By an un, to live our life by an unflinching, unwavering devotion to the truth. See, see, look here how Paul writes, how the truth of God's word, the truth of the gospel, how it pierces into our soul like a, like a ray of light. I love that old hymn, Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I, right like, like, like a ray of light, God's word comes and it, and it speaks to our soul and it, 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 it revives us. Listen to how Paul puts it here. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose hearts. But we renounce disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth. We would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It, it, is, it is through this unwavering, unflinching devotion to the truth by, by which our soul is revived, our soul is renewed day by day. And he's speaking here, speaking about two, two facets, two important facets to this, is 
the content of the truth that we proclaim outwardly to others and inwardly to ourselves, the content of that, and also the practice of how we do that. Right? So, so he's speaking about both here. The, the, he's, the Holy Spirit cautions us, cautions us that there's two ways to undermine that truth in our life. And the first way he's speaking about is, listen to what he says here, he says, we refuse to practice cunning and we've renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. See, in the New Testament, when we're speaking of sound doctrine or if we're speaking about truth, we're not just speaking about the things we believe about God. We're not just speaking about convictionally uh, what we believe about God or how we think about God. We're also thinking about how do we practice in light of who we are in Christ. And so we're warned here, and we're, we're, we're not just warned here, we're, 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 we're cautioned or encouraged here, that not only do we keep the content of the truth central in our life so that our soul might be renewed, but that we live by the truth that we've received. Paul calls this in verse 2 the open statement of the truth. He speaks in verse 4, what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. So it's the content of what we proclaim. We proclaim Jesus. I love that song we just sang. How simple was that song? Going back to the simplicity of our faith. The simplicity of our faith that Jesus, strong and kind, wants us simply to come to him. That Jesus is Lord, that he's calling to us to sit simply, and receive from him as he is the way and the truth and the life. But also, we openly proclaim Jesus as Lord with ourselves as our servants. We're not puffing ourselves up. We're not manipulating, uh, we're not manipulating our circumstances. But we're simply proclaiming ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. He, in this open statement of truth, we renounce Manipulation. We renounce slander. We renounce, I mean, I, I, I wrote this list last night, kind of just thinking about the ways that I undermine truth in my own life and how, when I, as I do this, how I lose my soul <laughs> at times. We renounce manipulation. We renounce slander. We renounce strawmanning others or mischaracterizing others, we, we must <laughs> set aside and renounce um, impute, imputing motives to others. We renounce gossip and flattery and partiality. We renounce and it's hard to do in our world, but we renounce the do as I say, but don't do as I do. <laughs> we renounce that. I have to be very careful if I'm engaging with people to not engage in whataboutism, where you know they're talking about their political party, our political, their political party does this, and I say, well, what about this? What about this? I need to renounce defensiveness. I need to renounce stating my opinions, personal conventions, or preferences as if they are truth. I find all these things as I'm doing them. What I'm doing is I'm trying to manipulate the conversation 
either if I'm talking to someone else or even if I'm talking to myself, I'm trying to manipulate the conversation by appealing to the flesh, by appealing to the outer man, by, by somehow having control over the conversation. And what I've come to realize is I need to reject and renounce and get away from all of that to simply and to clearly proclaim to myself and to others the truth of the gospel. I don't think we can live by lies. I think if we try to live by lies for too long, it's going to break us. I've struggled with this this year. I've struggled with it in, in the sense of where I've, I've found this year, you know, it's one of these things where as you're going through struggles, the Holy Spirit's showing you, you know, how, how, how much left there is in yourself to be sanctified. And uh, one of the ways that I, 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 I really need to focus on for myself personally is that I tend to hear what I want to hear rather than what the other person is saying. And, uh, and then I tend to act off of that. I tend to go forward over, over what, I, what I heard either my wife say or my kids say or somebody in my church said. And I tend to go, okay, well, I, I heard what you said there, but I, I, didn't, I didn't actually hear what they said. I heard what I wanted to hear. And then I go and I, I manipulate it. And then you can go and you can go a, a bit further. You can go the next day after, you know, your wife or your partner says, hey, I, I said this yesterday. You say, no, you didn't. You said this. And you repeat back to them what you heard rather than what they actually said. And I, I realize in my sanctification, I need to live. I need to, I need to grow in my listening uh, to others to hear what they're saying for what they're saying first. Let's think about this. Have you ever seen life or holiness or spiritual growth? Have you ever seen it come from gossip? <laughs> Have you ever seen joy and unity in the church come from slander? Is that why you come and be part of Calvary Fellowship or Calvary Baptist? Sorry, I got the wrong Calvary here. Is that why you come to Calvary Baptist? You come to go, I love to be with God's people because of how they gossip and how they slander and how they don't listen to me. Is that why? Have, we, have you ever seen unity, spiritual growth, freedom, or joy come from manipulation? And so let our words before all people be an open statement of truth and only of the truth, because only truth spoken to the inner man will bring about renewal. So, so look at in this passage how many times Paul speaks about how we proclaim the gospel to the person's soul, <laughs> to that inner part of the person. He says, he says uh, by open proclamation of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. At verse 4, he speaks about how the God of this world, how Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the glory of God in the gospel. But the, and then later, he speaks about how God, and this is the amazing part, how God, the same God who spoke light into darkness, <laughs> who said, let light be, and there was light, now has spoken his word into our hearts. See, see he, he describes us in our state without Christ. He describes us in number one, having our conscience seared, our minds blinded, and our hearts 
darkened. That's the state of our soul without Jesus Christ. And at some point, someone, thankfully, has shared with us the good news of Jesus Christ. Someone shared to us that the, the message that he sums up here is just simply that Jesus is Lord and, and, and shared with us this, this, this gospel. I don't know how exactly it was shared to you. It probably sounded something like this, that in the beginning, all of us were recreated by this holy and loving and perfect God. And he created us in his image so that we might have relationship with him. He created us as eternal beings so that we might be with him forever. He created us as moral beings that we could reflect his character and his kindness. And he created us as, in, in, in a sense, and I love this, he created us as joyful beings. Jesus spoke about the joy he had with the Father. He created us in an act of love. And yet we all, like sheep, had turned away from him. Each one of us have gone to our own way. We've, 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 we've separated ourselves from the source of light and of life and of love. And in doing so, we seared our conscience, we our, our, our minds were blinded, and our hearts were darkened. Yet into this world, like a beam of light came, the Son of God, babe in the manger, treasure in a manger, he came and he dwelt among us, the God of God, light of light, he came to do what we could not do. He came and he lived before God, loving the Lord as God with all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his mind, all of his strength, and loving his neighbor as himself. He came as a full embodiment of the law of God, a full embodiment of the love of God, a full embodiment of the grace of God, and he came and he showed and he shared that life with us. And we, just like, uh, just like we do when we wake up in the middle of the night and you flick on the light and you, you go, oh, I can't, I can't, you know, it hurts your eyes. He came into his own and his own people didn't receive him. And we sought to extinguish the light and that's what we did. We crucified him on a cross. But that was God's way of actually making payment, atonement for our sin. That, that, that all the punishment and all, all, of, all of what kept us from that love and that life and that light of God was, was punished in Christ that we might be set free. And God raised him up on the third day. He raised up, up, up on the third day to show that he had victory. He had complete and total victory over sin, over darkness, over all of our captivity. God raised him again on high at the right hand of God and he sat down. His work is complete. And he's called us to proclaim to the nations that anyone, anyone who turns to him receives forgiveness of sins in his name. That anyone who turns to him might suddenly now receive this light and this life and this love into their own soul. That the God who said, let light be, who spoke and light came out of darkness, spoke into our heart. 
that what once was lost might now be found, that what once was dark might now be light, what once was dead may now be life. And Paul speaks about this is the treasure. When you hear the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you respond by faith, believing and receiving that life that God has for you, he makes you new. He raises you to life. You can be born again. If there's anyone here today who has not received that into their life, who, who, who up until this point you've been continually rejecting that light and that life and that love of God, may today be the day that you receive life. And, and some of us as Christians, the danger is that we've been spinning those plates so well of the outward man, that we can come to church and we can look like we have it all together, but our soul is still darkened. And it may be today that you just need the simplicity of the songs that we sang before. You just may need the simplicity of the word that there's a God who created you, there's a God who loves you, there's a God who wants to be with you, there's a God who has provided every means by which your soul can find rest. And if that's you today, I pray right now, you'd come, as Jesus said, come. Find rest at his feet. That's what the open proclamation of truth can do to a man or a woman. It can cut through the circumstances, cut through the symptoms, cut through the impairments and the problems and the fear. And where once there was darkness and despair, now light bursts forth. And Paul says that is a treasure. It's a treasure. It is such a treasure when your soul finds peace. I know many of you guys could just share this, that, that story of your own life, of how your soul found rest in him. However, having exalted in the freedom and the fearlessness which comes from a renewed inner man, we, we have to consider that we still live in this fragile jar. And so we consider the outward person for a bit. We have this treasure, Paul says, in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We're going to look here to find that there's actually a couple purposes that Paul speaks to here. But this, this, this treasure that we have of a renewed inner man is in this fragile jar. We're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body of de the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who are living are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. We are fragile. We're, we're still, I, I, wish I, could, I wish I could proclaim a message that if you came to Christ, not only would you find rest for your soul and your inner man would be renewed, but your outer person, the, the circumstances of your life, your, 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 your infirmities, your diseases, I wish I could just tell you that you come to Christ and all of that is fixed. But no, Christ first attends to our inward person and then he tends to our outward. And there's a purpose in this. The first, he actually speaks here about three different purposes in doing it this way. 
The first is to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It is to train us that we must continually depend upon Christ and the strength he provides. That as we live and as we go through this life, and even as we get older and older and older, we realize the strength is not in us, it's in God. I've heard often people say, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. You heard somebody say that? I'm so thankful God doesn't give you more than you can handle. I'm having trouble finding that in my Bible. (laughs) It's not there. I don't know where that came from. God will never give you more than he can handle. You know, I've been dealing this year with a lot of addicts. I've been dealing this year with a lot of mental health people who have mental health issues. And man, there's some times where I'm realizing I'm seeing God has given these people way more than they can handle. And in dealing with them, sometimes I feel like God's giving me way more than I can handle. (laughs) To be honest, I don't know where this came from, that God won't give us more than we can handle. I don't know if I believe that anymore. I have seen people going through situations that are beyond what they can handle. But Christ is renewing their inner person. And so that while they're, while, they're, while they're crushed, they're not destroyed. While they're beaten down, they're not abandoned or forsaken. And, and when, when they go through those situations like this family, when they're going through a situation, it may be, this is a situation beyond what they can handle. But this is where the power of God shows up. And he says, my strength is sufficient for you. You're not going to find the strength in yourself to get through this. You're not. That's not the point of the Christian faith. The point of the Christian faith is not that you're strong enough to handle it. It's that God is going to carry you through it. Secondly, so a purpose, number one, is to show the power is not in us. I can't get through this without God. Secondly, the second purpose in this of why God doesn't just resurrect our body at this point, is that the life of Christ might be manifest in us through the suffering we experience. This verse 10. We are always caring about in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. We suffer in him, and he suffers in us as we suffer. Remember when, when, uh, when Paul was going after the Christians and dragging them away into, into prison and they were saying, uh, and then, the, then the Jesus shows up and says, Saul, Saul, why are, we, why are you persecuting me? And he says, well, who are you, Jesus? Who are you that I'm persecuting you? Jesus was being persecuted in, the, in, in those believers who were suffering. We, we have an identification with Jesus through our suffering. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 actually says, Jesus was made perfect through suffering. Not morally perfect. Jesus was already God. What does it mean that Jesus was made perfect through suffering? It was that through suffering, he identified perfectly with us so that he could be our perfect representative. So through suffering, Jesus came near and identified with us. And in the same way, through suffering, we identify with the suffering Messiah. We die with Christ every day. And there's a reason why God doesn't just remove our suffering from us. It's so we might grow closer and closer and closer to the person of Christ and be more and more transformed into his image, which is the glory of God. So if you're suffering right now, and through your suffering, and through your endurance, 
please know your suffering has a purpose. It's the path to Christ-likeness. And thirdly, it's to ground our proclamation in faith, hope, and love. It's actually for the purpose of our proclamation of the message of the gospel that we proclaim as God's people to ground it in reality, suffering grounds it in reality, that our proclamation may be grounded in faith, hope, and love. See, our proclamation is grounded in faith. Paul says, as it's written in the Psalms, I believe and therefore I have spoken, and so also we believe and so also we speak. What Paul's saying is, I love this here because this is what I've had to hold on to this year. It's not that I have experienced, therefore I have spoken. It's not that I have, you know, known or I have felt a certain way, and therefore I have spoken. Paul says this, our suffering grounds, our proclamation in faith. Like at times, I don't see. Uh, just to be honest, there's times I don't see victory in my life. There's times I don't see victory in people's lives that I'm ministering to. But I continue to proclaim this gospel message. Why? Because I believe and therefore I've spoken. As I suffer, as I endure, I live a life of faith. Secondly, it, it grounds me in hope. I believe, therefore I've spoken because knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus, verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. There is a resurrection to look forward to. I don't think when I was a younger Christian I understood this, that, that my redemption, my salvation is truly still future to me. Christ, for some reason, will have me to continue to go through suffering because he is, as my daughter does when she eats her food, she's, he's saving the best for last. My daughter does that. She'll go in and she'll have a, we'll have a, a dinner. And I'm like, why aren't you eating that hamburger? You love hamburgers. And she says, I'm saving it for last. I'm saving the best for last. And I have to remember as I'm going through suffering that there is a last that God is saving the best for. <laughs> Resurrection means something. Heaven, the eternal state, the eternal kingdom where we're going to go to live with God and every tear will be wiped away and our sin will be no more means something. I cannot wait until the kingdom. I suffer now. It's, he gets to the end of the chapter. He says, it's a light and momentary affliction that I suffer now and it's not worth comparing to the eternal weight of glory that I will have forever with him. And so we suffer. It increases our hope. It grounds our proclamation in hope. We can't manipulate people and say, hey man, I know you. Your cancer is going to be gone in Jesus' name. And I know 100% it's going to be gone tomorrow. I don't know that. I do know that if you come and if your soul deals with Jesus now, I can promise you there is a resurrection. And you will be healed forever. I can promise you that because I believe and therefore I've spoken. So it grounds it in hope and it grounds it in love because I present not only Christ Jesus as Lord, but I present myself as a servant for his name's sake. And what Paul says, this is not about me. And suffering reminds me that my life is actually not about me. It's about myself being poured out, as he says, as a drink offering for the sacrifice of the souls of others. 
He says, so that more people, it is all for your sake, so that if grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. My suffering is not only about me. He says right, right away in the first chapter of this verse, uh, uh, sorry, of this, of this book, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comforts, who comforts us in all of our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. See, when we suffer, it's not only about what God is doing in us. It's about that God is actually going to use that suffering in us for the sake of comforting others who are going through affliction. There's a purpose to our suffering. And, 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 and he, he ends with going back to his theme in verse 4 16. So we do not lose heart. Again, that's why we don't lose heart. We understand there's a purpose in this suffering. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. He sets these two things up. At first there's a parallelism. Day by day, our outward self is indeed wasting away. But day by day, our inward self is being renewed. So there's, they're, they're a parallel track as it is. But then at the same point, even though they're a parallel track, at the same point, they're not even worth comparing. One is transient, the other is eternal. One is light and momentary. The other is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So wrapping this up, I just want to ask you, as, as, as you're going through this year, maybe last year was a year of endurance, maybe you're looking through this year and it's already been, you're forecasting a year of endurance. I'm going to ask you in this, where's your focus been? I've got to ask myself the same question, where's my focus been? Has my focus been first attending to my inward person? Has my focus been to making sure the words that I hear the, the media I surround myself with, the, the methods by which I communicate, have they been devoted solely to truth? Am I placing myself with friends and in front of media where I'm going to hear routinely words that speak to my soul and refresh it? Or have I just been spinning the plates of outward circumstance? <laughs> and seeing everything crash around, and living out of that chaos. Brothers and sisters, please, this year, attend first to our soul. Set your sights not on symptoms or circumstances, but speak truth daily to yourselves and others. Jesus is still Lord. We are still his servants for others' sake, and someday we'll rise again in our body of death, this fragile vessel will be replaced with life eternal, a weight of glory beyond all comparison. Lord Jesus, I pray for us that, Father, forgive me and for the, uh, if I got lost in many words here today, Father. I pray, Lord Jesus, however, that you have spoken to our souls. 
God, whatever circumstances we got to go back to when we leave this room, Lord Jesus, refresh our souls. Help us to rest in you and be inwardly renewed today so that we can face whatever outward pressures there are. I pray, Lord Jesus, for those facing sickness, for those facing death, for those facing financial troubles, for those, God, in this congregation who are struggling with addictions, God, for those who have been hiding inner secrets and inner lies. Father, I pray that your word of truth would speak to them, renew them in a meaningful way, refresh their hearts. In your name we pray. Amen.